Hello, hello, and welcome to Reality Hacker, Season 1, Episode 3, for January 20th, 2024. I think I said 2023 in the last episode. Oh, wow. That's well, okay. I don't even know if that, that would stand out. So, what is Reality Hacker? We basically talk about AR, VR, XR, AI, and other methods and uh tools, techniques, all kinds of stuff having to do with manipulation of reality. And that's why we call it Reality Hacker. Lots going on in VR space. We actually talk about stuff beyond it. Things associated with AR, VR, science, technology, society is included in this. Although Omtown and Omtown Daily is founded on that science, technology and society mandate. All of these little channels that we have underneath hometown.com have a niche within that trifecta of science, technology, and society. This one happens to be technology and society and science, but we talk about it from AR kind of space. It's pretty neat. If you're not interested in all the rest of this stuff, you can always focus just by clicking on reality hacker from the creative and maker space that little menu right there and you'll end up here and then there's news 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 page after page after page of headlines from news aggregated so that Marwat can manage their uh, information overload and the AI sitting up above me in the top bunk up here thank you keeps an eye on Marwat and making sure that they don't go too insane Trapped in this little box. Eh, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, we got 10 articles all lined up. Covers the week. Whereas Hometown Daily is a daily show, as the name implies. Reality Hacker is just a weekly show. Every Saturday. Sometime after Hometown Daily. Because we can't guarantee. It really depends on... Uh, the audience engagement and how much Marwat rants. I tend to get on a little soapbox. At any rate, tomorrow though is um, the continuity report after Hometown Daily. Same kind of thing. We do the show at six o'clock on the weekends, and then seven fifteen to seven thirty ish for the continuity report tomorrow. Okay, let's get into today's shoe. Should I do transitions? I don't have a, 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 a unique transition. Eh, no, you don't not. need to. Okay. So uh, the first article is over in hometown daily, although it's a VR type thing. Vision pro demos will include scanning your glasses to identify your prescription. This is why we talked about this in hometown daily uh, earlier this week, but we also talk about the shows uh, news and stuff like that. It doesn't always duplicate in uh, reality hacker. But sometimes they do. They cross over because some people are only interested in the reality hacker aspect. So in this, we're talking about Vision Pro demos will include scanning your glasses to identify your prescription. But here's the kicker. And this is why I chose this. You can't wear your glasses. You have to have custom inserts. So that's why they scan your glasses. Because <laughs> you're going to have to have unique optics. And I think it's like $200. For anyone who wants to try the Apple Vision Pro when it's officially released in February 2nd, um, there's going to be a whole procedure 
We knew that, but now a report from Mark Gurman's latest Power On newsletter for Bloomberg sheds light on how the in-store demos for the Vision Pro will work. According to Gurman, the process will start with an Apple Store employee scanning users' face to pick out the right seal. I don't know where these typos came from because they're aggregated. This has, this little tidbit is aggregated from the source and it's the verge. Anyway, you have to pick out the right seal for your headset. The process he likens to configuring face ID. That's to prevent any light leakage. <clears throat> Wes Davis put the article together for the verge. And uh, yeah, so I've never liked this design. I, I mean, I love Apple and Apple products, but for crying out loud, it's just too big and bulky. But this is a spatial, this is a spatial computer. It isn't just a goggle. <coughs> I won't be able to go it, scuba it, it diving. It does again. look like it's for swimming. Do not swim in it. It's going to be bad for everybody involved. Mark Gurman, the whole process starts with an Apple store employee scanning your face for the right seal because you don't want light leakage. It will lessen the experience. <coughs> Pardon me. Let me throw this into the chat so we have it there. So um, Apple will reportedly also scan their lenses, your lenses, with a special device to suss out the prescription. Then an employee fits Vision Pro with one of hundreds of on-hand lenses and a seal and tells you how to use the device, including apparently how to hold it. You're holding it wrong, which is actually something that was repeated in a historical record. Um, I think it was Steve Jobs that told people that they were holding their iPhone wrong. <clears throat> well, how are true. you supposed to hold them? Let me see. Let me, let me pull it up. Um, yeah, jobs responded. Emailed by the website Ars Technica about the problem jobs responded in his normal terse manner. Just avoid holding it in that way. He wrote a response from jobs that was received by a number of gadget review sites and customers in the U S due to reception problems with the iPhone four. Yeah. When you held it a certain way, it would short out the antennas and it would cause attenuation of the signal. And he basically said, you're holding it wrong. Wow. Nice. So now you know that you might be holding your vision pro wrong. Primarily don't hold it by, Oh, I don't know anything glass or shiny Chrome. Um, or the lenses on the inside. Basically don't touch it. Don't, don't touch Let it. it. Hover. That buy a cover because it's going to be hundreds of dollars to replace up to $2,400 to fix. If you need to send it in. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, let's continue. The demo that follows Gurman says will last up to 25 minutes. It'll reportedly involve viewing photos and videos, including the 3d spatial kind. I like your spatial kind that take uh, that you can take apparently with the iPhone 15 pro using the vision pro as a computer or iPad replacement and checking out third party apps of which Netflix will not be one of them. <laughs> That's right. As they very clearly announced the 
friction for this is so high because you have to wait for an Apple rep to be available to scan your glasses. I thought it was going to be scanned by the device itself, but apparently not. It's a third party. Well, not a third party. It's a special device to scan the optics of your glasses, um, which I know from experience because I had to have these reassessed what the prescription was. Yeah. Anyway, it takes some time. Maybe they were really fast when they did mine, but then they made me linger in the waiting room. Well, if you linger, you might get what? some more products or opt for new eyes. Yeah. Yes. I tried. They don't do that. Which they can provide that too. Sure. Sure. For $200 more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so users will still need to scan their faces with an iPhone or an iPad to get the right head strap. And they'll need their vision prescription at the ready for the $149 optical inserts. Pardon me. I thought it was $199. Garmin writes that Apple also made a second more comfortable strap for the headset after complaints that it's uncomfortable after just 30 minutes of use. Although he says the strap won't, at, won't be present at the demos. Shit. <laughs> this all just screams duct tape and bubble gum. <laughs> yes, it does. Except that the gadget is spectacular in its sophistication. The micronization of the technology um, is something that I've been telling people that they should invest in. But I've had people sit there and go, isn't it about as small as is it going to get? And I, I'm telling these people 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. No, it's still there's more. There's more people. Some people just don't get it. Apple reportedly doesn't expect demand to hold for the Vision Pro. It's $3,500. What do you expect? Told its stores that they'll need about twice as much inventory space during the first weekend than the following ones. $3,500, folks. But I ordered these. The X-Real Air 2 Ultra AR glasses that come close to... Um, the Apple Air Pro, or wait, not Air Pro. What are they? What, my, my brain, Vision uh, Pro. XR Unreal. No, 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 no. The the um, the headset, the Apple headset, is the Vision Pro. Apple Vision, Vision Pro. Pro. Yes. Yeah, thirty five hundred dollars. I can buy a whole lot of these for six ninety nine. It's actually over seven hundred dollars with shipping and um, yeah. Pretty cool. And it simulates pretty darn close without this, without this wasteful, big, huge, chunky uh, piece of glass bolted on in, in front of an LCD screen or OLED. Actually, it's an OLED screen um, that is used primarily to do this little swirly thing and to reflect your eyes out to people using inside cameras that are pointed at your eyes. It, it's all weird. It's just all kinds of weird. Anyway, enough of this. I can't dwell on the Vision Pro uh, scuba goggles. <laughs> oh, I said I wasn't going to do the transition. Sorry, my bad. Marwat is dumb. Um, so the next article is again over in Reality Hacker. LG confirms its plan to release an XR as a mixed reality device or um, as early as next year, the company CEO Chu Ju Wan 
or Cho, it might be Cho Juwan, confirmed the plan uh, to a reporter from South Korean news website, The Guru. Um, because Korean doesn't explicitly distinguish between singular and plural in the context of the quote, it's actually unclear whether Cho referred to one device or multiple devices. Cho told the guru that LG Electronics has moved XR device development into the division of the company that makes its TVs to speed up development. LG had a very short history in VR. In 2016, it released a compact smartphone tethered headset for 360 degree videos. That's ultra niche. I don't have an ad blocker, but anyway. Um, I think she had one, though. No, no I mean, ad blocker. That must be the reality. There's no extensions. Um, because Korean doesn't explicitly. Okay, so let's see if there's more here. A Snapdragon XR2 Plus Gen 2 seems likely. In October, South Korean news outlet ET News reported on a new high-end XR chipset from Qualcomm. I don't think that that has anything to do with this unless it's being used for LG because it wasn't really mentioned apparently, right? It's notable that ET News report also mentioned LG as a potential customer for the new chip chipset. So maybe it is associated with it. That's fine. Don't worry about that. Um, is it Quest Pro 2 in partnership with Meta? I don't know what this article is actually talking about anymore. <laughs> Nor does the article. So yeah, apparently. So what is the new headset? Don't know. It's going to have a Snapdragon XR2 Plus Gen 2, apparently. Possibly. Is there more to that? Is there, I'm missing something, right? Because they're talking about yeah. Qualcomm. Pro, like it, it, LG might be developing the screen for the Quest Pro 2. Um, reports suggest that the first headset from the partnership was set to launch in 2025 and, um, matching the CEO statement priced around $2,000. Dear God. So they're trying to compete with the vision pro. I suppose given LG's experience in hardware and partnership could be Meta's plan to develop a truly high-end headset to take on Apple's Vision Pro and the coming Samsung headset um, to be powered by Google software. Meta partnership remains a rumor though, to be clear. And for now, all LG has officially confirmed is its intention to release some sort of XR device. Oh, this is one of those articles that just makes you question everything. David Haney is the <laughs> author, by the way, over at uploadvr.com. If I feel so, it's a good article possible. for a reality hacker. It is. It's. I. Uh, the, it was from. Um, MythBusters, where the guy said, "I deny your reality and substitute my own." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I wish that I could use that as a motto, but actually for reality hacker heads, you won't know who to, who to trust, which is really kind of dystopian. Uh, the next article is over. Oh God, I just did it again. Oh, I said I wasn't okay, going to do we'll the just transition. Have transitions, so let's just have them. Now it's too late. No, now we're all lopsided. I don't know which way to go. I need to commit one way or the other. Commit I think we've done more than not. So I've committed. Revolutionary biochip mimics human retina, a leap toward a uh, cyborg reality. Hey, we're really close. Cyborg reality hacker. Can you imagine getting <laughs> your eyeballs hacked? 
No, that's a little scary. <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> I'm just going to jump over to the source because it's SciTech Daily. And look at that name. Look at that. I dare you to try to pronounce it. Oh. Uh, you could just give the initial for the first name. No. Forschung, Forschungszentrum Julich. I'm going to go with borderline German. Can you imagine trying to learn to spell that name? Yeah, you're you a toddler and, and you're like four. That's it. I'm out. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I'm just going to report or, or just yell F and I'm coming. <laughs> there's there's just no way. Can you imagine well, yelling that's that for interesting dinner? too? Yeah. Like what if the parent is trying to yell at the child? Time for dinner. With that name. How does that work? Isn't Zentrum a medication? Centrum is. Uh, I'm wrong. Anyway, a team of international researchers led by Francesca Santoro from Ulich. I think that's how it's pronounced. Has developed a biochip biochip that imitates the human retina, which is spectacular. Can you imagine replacing your retina with a computer chip? The capabilities of going beyond normal human vision. Oh my God, I want this. The innovation is part this of is a broader... pretty spectacular, right? I mean, it's definitely out of a movie. This is... Well, where is this? Now I need to know where that is. Anyway, that's a place, not a person. Yeah, I just realized that. So, um, yeah, thanks for backing me up on that one, because <laughs> I was like, wait, Italy, maybe? Well, I don't know. Some of the other locations are in Italy. It does I, sound like it might be German or Austrian. This kind of lets me know just that I, I don't know about this, you know, enough. So I'm going to end up diving down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Anyway, the creation of the chip is a collaborative uh, achievement involving experts from Forschungszentrum Ulich, uh, RWTH, Aiken University, Instituto Sorry. Italiano. What? National Research Institution in Germany. Oh, so I was right. Okay. Um, Instituto Italiano di Tecnologia. And the University of Naples. That's the easy lift right there. Um, their work and findings have been published in the journal Nature Communications. We need a new journal called like Cyborg Monthly. <laughs> the fusion this of man could be and machine. The premier um, article in it. Oh my God. This article is just speaking my language in every paragraph. Right, a biochip that imitates human retina. A few, the fusion of man and machine is the epitome of a science fiction narrative. Oh my God, that is just a phrase that I want in real world. Like, use that as marketing, and I will buy your cyber legs, like <laughs> right now. But this article was the one that really stood out for this week's show. Yeah, this is awesome. Sorry, I'm really like stuck on this because it's spectacular tech. 
In real life, the first step towards such cyborgs have long, uh, have long been taken. People with pacemakers to treat arrhythmias, to cochlear implants, to improve hearing and retinal implants help people who are almost blind to see at least a little. A new chip could help retinal implants fuse even better with the human body in the future. It is based on conductive polymers and light sensitive molecules that can be used to imitate the retina, complete with visual pathways. How do they link it to the optical nerve? I don't know. I feel like this is going to be like a matrix thing or something. Our organic semiconductor recognizes how much light falls on it. Something similar happens in our eyes. The amount of light that hits the individual photoreceptors ultimately creates the image of, in the brain. But how is it linking to something to... Oh my god. This is so cool. So with an with uh, what is exceptional about the new semiconductor is that it consists entirely of non-toxic organic components, is flexible, and works with ions, that is, with charged atoms or molecules, which is basically how we function. We move ions um, throughout our system, um, uh, like ATP and stuff like that, right? So uh, it can thus be integrated into biological systems much better than conventional semiconductor components made of silicon, which are rigid and only work with electrons. Our body uh, cells specifically use ions to control certain processes and exchange information. This is a proof of concept, she emphasizes. The material was uh, synthesized and then characterized. We were able to show that the typical properties of the retina can be imitated with it. Oh, God, this is spectacular. If she's the lead and she's running the research, then crush it, Francesca Santoro. Professor. Can you think of what this means for people without vision? Well, if the way that this actually works can be scaled and implanted, it can give vision back to people who are uh, as long as they have a functioning optic nerve, then they can actually receive the signal again. If they still have eyes, then they would be able to, the, the pupil would be able to dilate just as normal. If that, all of that is functioning, then they right, would be which able. Which it may not be in every person, right. but yes. All things being equal, if the retina it can be replaced by this organic chip, it could return vision to the blind. Absolutely spectacular. And then if this is true, it can be augmented beyond the scope of normal vision where simply flicking a switch can put you in IR band and you can see infrared or you can see in low light. Right. You can basically That's gonna be absolutely crazy. go beyond human vision. You could actually activate this and see thermal so you could in complete darkness pick up the ambient heat being emitted from the world around you um fleer for instance you would be able to want be a human fleer i mean uh, it's just spectacular so please make this happen uh, francesca professor uh, uh santoro professor santoro got to give you the respect you deserve um, I'm sure there's a, it has to be a doctor in there as well, but you're being coined as Professor Santoro. So 
yeah, this is pretty spectacular. The biopolymers they used in the artificial retina proved to be suitable starting material for this. We can use them to reproduce the branched structure of human nerve cells with their many dendrites. You can imagine it a bit like a tree, the scientist explains. They actually kind of step it down um, in terms of explanation, referring to it like a tree. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is really what it is. For example, Santoro is thinking here of correcting errors in the processing and transmission of information that occur during neuro neurodegenerative diseases, such as Parkinson's or Alzheimer's disease, or a supporting organ that no longer function properly. In addition, such components could be used in artificial limbs or joints to interface to the human being. So you have true meat to machine connections instead of uh, a disconnected just stub and then a cup that has to respond to not direct nerve impulses, but muscle twitches and things like that for its functionality. We're changing that and it's becoming much more sophisticated. Um, but imagine having something connected directly to your body that interacts directly. The amount of just instead of saying, OK, I need to twitch this muscle and twitch that muscle and move my arm this way for it to function, you simply autonomically close your hand, open your hand, turn your hand, you know, just it'll be beautiful. And with the other stuff that we've talked about in history, like skin that is human, that has touch, that has heat, that has pressure sensitivity. We've already talked about these um, cybernetic enhancements that are in, either developed already and then looking for an application or are in close development um, to reality. Yeah, this is all spectacular. So at any rate, uh, go and check this article out if you're interested in this kind of stuff. Um, you will probably <laughs> spend 15 minutes talking about it yourself. <laughs> you good? Did you want to, did you have any other questions or did you make any other I don't have anything else to add okay. on this one. Yeah, pretty spectacular, right? So uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Filming your remote layoff is the hottest dystopian trend. A very good reason or for a very good reason. Last week when she got the hunch that she was about to be let go from her job at Cloudflare on a video call, account executive Brittany Pesht or Petch, Petch, um, or PH, I'm not sure. Anyway, did what seemed natural to her. She turned on her camera and pressed record. The hunch was correct. In the ensuing call, she refused to let the two other people on the call dryly read from a script about next steps. When a male character director on the call said that she had not met the company's expectations, she pushed for specifics, noting that she had received positive feedback from her manager. <clears throat> Boy, this is an article over at Vice. Um, the uh, author of this is Maxwell Strachan. Um, and yet, so the, the article has a deck statement that says people who posted their layoff are flooded with DMs from others saying they feel less alone. Experts say the videos hold isolated bosses accountable. Um, yeah, it's I, I, I think it's dystopian, but it's also the world we live in because it's a whole lot easier to just lay you off from a distance than possibly bring a hostile actor into the workplace exactly um and unfortunately that's just the reality of this you know with america having you can't 
assume that the person, and this is something that I told somebody that, um, they thought that I cut them off, even though they were just outraged by having to drive at six o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> they actually followed me for miles to a gas station where I got out and I knew that the person was weaving in and out of traffic to, to pursue me. Um, and this is happening, um, in a state where you can drive pretty fast down the roads. Um, and, uh, they, they pursued me all the way to a gas station at which time I got out of my car and faced them pulling in behind me. And I turned to the person that was also filling up and I needed gas. Um, and they pulled up and I told the person at the next pump, Hey, call the police because that lunatic just chased me down for miles. And the person got out of the car and threatened me. And I said, Hey buddy, you need to really check what's going on right now because you don't know how crazy the person you're about to attack is. And that shocked this person into reality because they yelled at me uh, supposedly for cutting them off, but they were so impassioned about this that instead of just driving, they tried to attack me. They got back in their car and they did this whole nine yards move where they basically kept hitting their steering wheel and then eventually put the car in reverse and, and drove away. Um, wow. and, uh, there was some more interaction before they got in their car, but basically <laughs> telling somebody that they don't know how crazy the person they're about to attack is, is a pretty shocking statement. Apparently pretty effective. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, the person had called the police, um, and when they eventually showed up, they were like, well, the person already left. So, and that was the end of it. Um, as far as I know, gave a description in the car and all that, but that was about it. Anyway, um, you don't, you can't take it for granted. The reality is that there is going to be a person that could be so upset that they lash out physically, not just, you know, get upset. Plus it's more traumatic because you're not in a safe place if you are being fired and walked out publicly from a location. I mean, that's probably the worst of it, right? Because all of your colleagues are seeing you. Carrying They're never your box of items or whatever. Yeah. And they have to find out later anyway, because nobody's allowed to talk about your firing. You know, it's an HR violation. You can get fired for talking about somebody getting fired. You know, the real reason why somebody was fired, you can, all you can say is it was an HR issue or that was it, you know, or it doesn't matter to you why they were fired. You just need to work. That's why you're getting paid. Um, anyway, they were correct in the ensuing call. She refused to let the two other people on the call dryly read from a script about next steps, but it's a requirement. So when the mail director called, they basically said, well, I've had positive feedback. I've witnessed this myself. Um, and they'd only been with the company since August. So quote, I'm definitely confused and would love an explanation that makes sense. When the director was unable to provide specifics on her situation, it made sense to her as it was the first time she had ever met with him or the HR representative on the call. Do you guys even know who you're talking to? After the call, I, how did they pronounce their name? Petch? Petch. 
uh, decided to upload a nine minute video of the conversation to TikTok, and the video quickly went, went viral and it wasn't the only one of its genre the same week discord product manager chloe she also published a video of her dismissal online after learning that she was one of the 17 percent of the company's employees who had been laid off that was basically a target rich environment you've got a huge amount of people being laid off from a major company um i think right i don't remember how many it was but 17 percent of any company although you have to be careful of percentages as their video simultaneously went viral she and Petch both started to face criticism people wrote in comments what is wrong with these people why would anyone record this and post it change your bio you're unemployed now <laughs> that's right there's about 170 people that were laid off at discord oh wow yeah yeah that's a lot of i mean for a company of that size nearly 20 percent so or more specifically 17 percent so the rise of remote work since the pandemic so too has come uh, the remote layoff an isolating robotic affair calendar invite zoom call closed laptop silence too many companies have yet to establish adequate etiquette etiquette for handling remote dismissals i think it's fine if you want to record your termination wait wait, wait you're firing termination is too final um then record it it's a a, a chance of disclosure and closure because you can sit there and tell the world this is how they treat their employees now it may not bode well for future employment because it makes the the employer and potential future employer look kind of sideways at you like this is kind of vindictive now but i can see why somebody would want to post this because i think that it's a real shame that people dedicate their life to a company and they get a summary dismissal even though you may have gotten great reviews and maybe the manager really lacked uh, guidance couldn't promote drive and ambition in their subordinates yeah and but getting didn't... fired by somebody you've never even met um, right but yeah. i think the person's doing like maybe they're benefiting from the cathartic nature of posting it, etc. But I think they're gonna do way more harm than good in the long run for their own career. For posting it, yeah, because it's seen yeah. as vindictive. Yeah, and there's right. no way what to... employer would want to take a chance with that, right. even if her points were spot on. Right. Um, what's really funny is there was one person that got fired, um, and they knew that they were gonna get they, they were gonna get fired. So they brought in an emotional support human, but it was a clown because the person said, you can bring another person into the meeting. And so the person said, I, I'm going to bring a clown in. So the clown was like hanging out while the person was getting fired. And when they announced that they were fired, they did that little wah, 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 wah kind of oh sound. Oh my goodness. That's so <laughs> weird. Uh, I thought it was funny. So. Um, so the rise of the remote work and you're going to, some people are going to get fired, particularly in large organizations that are remotely distributed. You know, you've, uh, I've had to not invite people back, um, remotely, but it's mainly because they're in another country. Um, so it's kind of tough to, Hey, I need you to fly into the United States. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah.
I feel like it might be more offensive to bring the person in at great sacrifice to come into the office just to get fired, but right. I don't know. Yeah, turn in your badge. No, let me keep it. You can deactivate it. I'll stick it on my wall. These are the D-bags that drag me all the way into the office just to tell me that I shouldn't come into the office anymore. Anyway, in search for community and understanding online employees have taken to posting more openly about what was once a shameful and solitary affair and is now taken by many simply as something that will happen to you uh, if it hasn't yet. It is in some ways a natural extension of the digital age in which we live online. True, society is online and it isn't that, oh, look, society exists and it's online. It's there are online societies that wholly form around the online environment. And in the real world, there wouldn't be a venue for that conglomeration across that amount of distance or time, because there are communities that are perpetually active because time, you know, rolls around the planet. The community is so big that there is a large conglomeration of people in any time zone. So we're always together, um, be it a world of Warcraft or VR chat or something else. You know, I'm playing a game now called pal pal world. Um, and you know, servers are springing up with, uh, that allow enough people to hang out from, uh, 24 seven, you know, if they want to, um, it's pretty amazing. So. Technology is empowering society and society is empowering technology. The worst of it is when somebody, you know, fights this, you know, like somebody fires somebody and that person posts a, a video of their termination and then the company sues because the name was mentioned or there was a logo somewhere and it's just so abusive. You know, you already fired me. Let me say my piece. I. If there's something that where freedom of speech should be ensconced, it's basically poo-pooing your employer after they fire you. Fine, coin me as disgruntled, but look, I know that I did good. Here's my review. Anyway, um, I think I've kind of soapboxed about this a little too much. So um, a lot of people have just embraced this and there is a lot, as usual, I mean, Vice really does go deeper into the societal aspect of their um, articles, you know, and um, I think that you should go over there and uh, read the rest of this from Maxwell Stragan and um, let Vice know that you appreciate their writing. Let's, oh, I'm not going to do it. I was just about to do the transition. There we go. So the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Leaked videos show how Quest 3's mixed reality augments will work. Augments were announced at Connect 2023. The Zuck, uh, when launching Quest 3. <laughs> Do you really need to call him that? <laughs> yes. Uh, the Zuck. Um, they were described as persistent spatially anchored digital objects in your physical space. Examples shown in a library screenshot included a clock, music player, portals to your favorite games. It sounded like augments will essentially be mixed reality widgets, but at connect, we didn't hear any specifics about how augments would work. Um, the article is over at, uh, uploadvr.com. David Haney is the author again. Um, yeah, it looks like you can just kind of 
plop something down in your mixed reality space and interact with it at any time. This is the exact same thing that many other mixed reality headsets, spatial computers, um, not special, spatial computers does. It allows you to pin an object. So <clears throat> Microsoft tried this and it imploded. It's only used, I think, for some uh, enterprise operations. I don't even think they produce them anymore. <clears throat> the mixed reality headset, which was a computer, uh, but it just didn't fly. Um, and it was much more uh, open to the real world than Apple's. I just don't see Apple's surviving. I, I, I wish I could say otherwise. Um, and I don't think that this form of mixed reality can persist. The closest that I think a mixed reality headset could exist is going to be uh, the X reels because they're light. Uh, they're not uh, invasive, huh? They're not swim goggles. They're not swim goggles. That's for sure. So um, it says last week, technical filmmaker posted two videos on their Vimeo account showcasing Quest 3 augments, uh, one from a user perspective and the other from a developer perspective and the video appears to have been posted by mistake as they've now taken it down but they were saved and sent to upload vr by a vr enthusiast named luna i'm not going to play it because you can go over to upload vr and watch it i uh, i mean the expectation was that this was an accident and taken down and i'll respect that it was taken down uh, the video shows a much greater degree of interactivity and functionality than the connect announcement suggested <clears throat> and hint that augments will be full-fledged mini apps that run in the quest home interface but if they stay persistent and they're pegged to an area perfect the problem is that <laughs> these augment these mixed reality elements <coughs> i'm sorry for the coughing the mixed reality elements they migrate the, the the history has been that they don't stay in their gps locked place because as your device loses focus of where you are spending a lot of time it reorients and when it does the reorientation the gps coordinates are different the geolocation coordinates are different that would be aggravating i would think yeah and that's why i like beacons beacons will transmit from that location the timing can be counted the object would exist in that space so you know like apple has the little air tags those would yes. be perfect beacons to pin a spatial computer powered element to it i want a big screen display right here and within you know just say within six inches of this air tag i want it running and the air tag would just ping the headset and pop the little screen out right or 120 inch screen the x real ultras do exactly that they have a little device that allows you to control what the functionality is and you can pin something to it so that it functions a certain way with further development um, that device that little and it's not a functional thing it's just like a qr code i could pin something to that set the measurements this is what I want displayed. Every time you see that, I want that display there. It'll be a blast once it actually gets fully developed, but it's fairly new and it is a spatial computer for $700 versus thousands when you actually end up 
Yeah. Well, this, I'm not sure what this particular version of the quest is going to cost. I, I don't remember. Right. Say, I don't think we see any price information. It's too early. Yeah. When launching the quest three, the quest three is out now, but I don't remember the price. Um, but then you're locked into meta. So the second video shines a, a light on how the augments actually work on a technical level. As Meta has hinted in the past, the video reveals the Meta Spark Studio will also be a tool used um, to build Quest 3 augments. And the Spark Studio is an application for Windows and Mac OS used today to make AR filters and experiences for the camera on, in Instagram, Facebook, and Messenger, which is other Meta assets. So the Quest 3 runs from 500 to 650, depending on how many gigabytes. Right. Um, and it has a camera that does pass through and that's how you end up with a mixed reality interface. My problem there is that it's still a camera view. Um, with the X reels, you actually have absolute pass through. You can dim it. So it's blackout and it's treated more like VR. Um, but the X reels are true mixed reality spatial computing because you see through the lens to the objects in your real space and they're not intrusive somebody walk into the room you see them you don't see an offset of them like a um, uh, not really an offset but a uh, like a hologram or something you don't see a a screen, a camera view of them, you see them when you have these open air mixed reality glasses from X-Real on <clears throat> and they're lighter and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's just so much better in terms of mixed reality. You're not going to get the true VR space out of this. And you can't walk around with the quests on your face without getting punched in the head. And you're not going to be able to do that with a $3,500 Apple Vision Pro. Nobody would. Why would you risk that? Drop them and it's $2,500 worth of repair work. So let's keep on going. Um, oh, I messed up and I didn't post that. Doink, doink. All right. The next article is over in Technology Today. New tech addresses augmented reality's privacy problem. An emergency room doctor using augmented reality could save precious seconds by quickly checking a patient's vitals or records. That's usually called a chart, um, but it could be displayed in an augmented reality uh, glass uh, lens. You know, just you're wearing X reels. You look at the person, they've got a little barcode or whatever, and it pops up all of their image, uh, all of their stats live just by looking at it. Right. You don't have to scan a bunch of different places. It's always there. Um, but the doctor could also unintentionally pull information from someone else in the room, breaching privacy and healthcare laws. This is so contrived. I can't even, but I'm going to go over to tech Explorer and, and uh, read what they say from Kelly Isler, uh, from Virginia tech posted in TechExplore.com. Uh, let's see. The Commonwealth Cyber Initiative team created a technique called Bystand AR to protect bystander privacy while still providing an immersive augmented reality experience. The researchers presented the technology at ACM Mobisys 2023 last summer and explained it in the December IEEE Security and Privacy article. There's a link if you follow the... You know what? 
Doggone it. Marowat, you have one job. Put everything together and the site and post it into the chat and talk about it. Right. That was more than one job. One job. Um, so protecting bystander privacy is an important problem. The, the, the problem isn't bystander privacy. It's nobody should be able to get to any data unless specifically told here, you can have it. So how is this, how is this being accessed? You have to have facial recognition and a database that has been scanning so much data. Exactly. You're not going to get somebody's data just by looking at some random person who's in there with the patient because where is their data contained? And, and I don't even know if that's they're limiting, if this is actually limited to just medical. The implication is that it's limited to um, medical based on the lead in an emergency room doctor using augmented reality. How can he unintentionally yeah, pull clear. information? Like it could apply elsewhere, but yeah, they kind of conflated the art, the concepts together. So their work raises awareness and encourages the adoption of augmented reality in the future. So embrace augmented reality data uh, exfiltration. Only allow it to be accessed by the person either at the time. You know, hey. Can I have your number or can I have your AR data um, or whatever, you know, give me your stats um, and uh, it unlocks it in AR at the time. Uh, but don't allow anybody to get personally identifiable information without direct authorization from the person. Uh, it, well, it shouldn't this be a... is also odd with that scenario because if a patient comes in and is incapacitated, they're not going to be able to give access to the data. Right. It's an emergency response. They should be able to get the data. So with support from Virginia Tech Intellectual Properties and the link plus in, uh, license, I said incense, plus license, plus launch, proof of concept program, the team filed a provisional patent on bystand AR. It might actually be called bystander contextually, but anyway, which distorts bystanders images in augmented reality devices. <clears throat> So basically obfuscates their image, but this has a negative connotation to it because if I'm looking through augmented reality devices and a crime takes place and this is hiding the person's. Oh yeah. I can see where this is going to create other issues. Yeah. This is bad. You know, I understand not getting data, but distorting bystanders images that's bizarre concerns about privacy violations look if i'm walking around somewhere somewhere and it's public there is no privacy contributed to the failure of google glass almost a decade ago no society caused the failure of google glass people went into bathrooms and bars wearing it in places where the expectation of not being recorded on the regular by random Joe's is expected, right? The, the enterprise can record you forever, wherever you might be. If you are in the enterprise, they're always recording in bars, but we've accepted that. What we haven't accepted is some schmo walking around in a bathroom or a gym 
That's why Google Glass didn't get accepted because people didn't know the freaking limits of society. They pushed it. And when they got punched in the face and called a glass hole, that's when the business goes, oh, oh, maybe we should probably ignite this uh, society changing flame with some controls and bumpers in place. Like tell people don't wear them where privacy is expected. And if you do expect backlash, but then they would probably get sued for acknowledging the potential for violence to be caused by, but that's why we have laws anyway, may have contributed, but let's get down to brass tacks. It was society that failed because stupid people did stupid things. You mess around, you find out. Like similar devices, the eyewear projects interactive computer-generated content such as video, graphics, GPS data, and a world user's uh, view of the world. But Google Glasses, cameras, and microphones allowed users to record their surroundings without the consent of those around them. You know In what? Most, huh. In this environment now, with a lot of people having smartphones, mm -hmm. do you think people have the same concerns? I mean, I know that phones were around when Google Glass was out, but things have changed. Everybody can be on audio or video recording pretty much now. Um, I don't think that they would accept it still in that form. Because it's way obvious if you're holding your phone up and if you do it surreptitiously, you look like a creep. So one way oh, is sure, sure. you're going to get called out by somebody that takes exception to it. And the other way you're going to get assaulted by somebody who takes exception. To it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they say it made people uncomfortable and for good reason. Maybe you're in a restaurant with your kids. You have no control over who is collecting their data or what happens to it, but nobody should be collecting data. What data are you collecting? It, you shouldn't do face recognition. That's basically the main thing. But then again, what if society wants face recognition so that you can share what you want to share? and turn off what you don't want people to see. It's Facebook, basically. That's Facebook. Right, it's like the opt-in, opt-out kind of stuff. But everything by nature should be opt-in. Society should only have an opt-in. Nobody should sit there and go, you're all in the party, unless you say no. Right, right? but companies tend to go toward opt-out. That's because society has allowed it. Any company that says you have to opt out, society should put an embargo on them. Just completely block them off from functioning as a business. Re respect society, enable us to opt in if we so choose. But until we say it's like hometown, I could actually scour everybody's social networks and create accounts for people and send them links. Hey, activate your account, activate your account. You've got one. I've actually had a site do that. Hey, we know about your business. Click this link and open up an account. Kiss my shiny metal ass. No. So this is one of those things. This is a problem, but it isn't something that's going to be solved by bystander. I, I think that this is actually kind of, um, it's a solution for a problem that's bigger than the solution. And that is that society itself is really going to either accept or not accept AR 
And without a doubt, you have no control who's collecting data and what happens to it. If you are out at a restaurant, you're being recorded. Let's give an example, AI. What happened to a mom and her brownie daughter going to see the Rockettes? Well, I believe she was banned from entering um, a show because she was recorded as entering the facility because somebody in her law firm was suing the company that owned uh, the venue or the Rockettes. It was Madison Square Garden was being sued. And this woman's profile had been scraped off of the law firm's website and used in facial recognition to ban her and her daughter from seeing the Rockettes with their brownie troop. And out of all of them that went, she was the only one that was called out because of the litigation. So if you think for a moment, maybe you're in a restaurant with your kids, you have no control over who's collecting their data or what happens to it. First off, I'm telling you now, nobody gives a shit about your kids. They really don't. They're only interested in you as an adult and your buying power. And because you have kids, the only thing that they're interested in is that you've got two of them. So Maybe how can we market two of whatever yeah. we're yeah. selling? How do we market to you? Right. And that is all data that has been gleaned from historical purchasing habits. Uh, Target is infamous for an instance where um, they sent a packet of coupons based on the purchasing of their daughter who was underage, purchasing all natural products. And that packet of coupons was also a congratulations coupon book for being pregnant. Congratulations on your new baby. Well, the dad saw that before the daughter and railed against Target. And then after talking to the daughter, the guy says, well, I guess some stuff was going on under my roof that I didn't know about. Well, I mean, that's a whole other level of company access to information. <laughs> yeah, companies know. I'm assuming the person didn't put something into their their purchase that said, like, I'm pregnant, right? Nope. I mean, they could have been purchasing it for somebody else, etc. Yeah. But what they, they, their purchases flipped from being scented and not necessarily au natural to being unscented and natural. And that triggered the AI. Right. Which that may not have even been the right conclusion, but right. wow, that's creepy. Yep. But it, it actually outed the daughter because she was pregnant. She was underage and the dad didn't know. Whoops. What's going on under dad's roof there? All right. Well, you don't have any control and this new augmented reality privacy problem is actually just, it exists, but it's more, it's not this as the problem. Companies will exploit this regardless. Uh, the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Soundscape is a um, Unreal Engine 5 powered musical metaverse on PC VR. Um, I haven't downloaded this. It's actually free. 
It's on Steam. It's called Soundscape VR 2017. I've looked at the demo of it, but I haven't played it on my Pico. Um, some of the reviews are kind of poo-pooing it because it's 2024. This is a first look, but the one that's available right now um, on um, Steam is VR 2017. And that one is getting kind of poo-pooed. But this is actually titled Soundscape 2024 first look gameplay trailer well um, and it's tied to unreal engine 5 which the previous right. one would not have been yep and so um in the press release the studio states its intention is to simulate an interactive audiovisual environment akin to a music festival featuring multiple uh, virtual worlds custom avatars and more you can listen to your own music streaming with it uh, integrated into an audio a reactive ai um, the article is over at uploadvr.com. Yeah. Uh, Henry Stockdale is the author. Um, I'm going to go and hunt down the new soundscape. I don't think that it's in steam right now, uh, but soundscape tw uh, 2017 soundscape VR 2017 is, <clears throat> um, and it says, um, Soundscape arrives exclusively on steam with VR support on January 23rd for $40. And I'm going to try the 2017 version and we can talk about it next weekend. And, um, that's also when we are going to launch the first, well, actually, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll make that. I'll make that promise. I will kick off the, um, reality hacker podcast and the continuity report podcast. Um, which is going to be a weekly episode, but the first four episodes will release um, by Monday the following weekend. Or the, sorry, the following Monday after that weekend. So next week we will launch Reality Hacker and the Continuity Report as a podcast. It's already over on YouTube, um, but then you'll be able to download um, the show as a podcast separately and you'll have four episodes to just kind of binge uh, right off the bat but then it's going to be a weekly episode um, releasing that monday um, each one of those articles what's wrong ai i just was thinking about the calendar oh now i know why oh right yeah okay well we'll see what we can do <laughs> I just made a promise that I wasn't paying attention to the calendar. Um, and I have a, a priority issue that's going to pull me out. But of, that will be coming and we'll keep yeah. you updated. Yeah. So follow us here uh, on um, uh, Twitch and over on YouTube and you'll get the alert um, when we actually drop it. Unfortunately, I, I'm that's why the AI exists, because I'm a dummy. Uh, and my better brain is sitting there in a skiff in hometown. Okay, let's just keep on going. Uh, the next article is over in Reality Hacker. VR chat can now automatically generate a mobile version of your PC avatar. Uh, hey, look. Out of control works. over here. <laughs> gravity works even in the skiff. Uh, in in uh, AI space. So yeah. the feature called Imposters <laughs> arrived with version 2023.4.2. Uh, 
at the start of December, and its rollout is starting to bridge the divide between PC and mobile users, as well as being available on PC with optional VR support. VRChat is also on the Google Play Store for Android phones and on the App Store of MetaQuest, Pico 4, and Vive XR Elite standalone VR headsets. Most PC worlds and avatars are too detailed to run uh, performantly? Performantly? That's a new word to me. Not familiar with Performantly. that. Performantly. On mobile chipsets, though, so VR takes a semi-fragmented approach. So the article is by David Henney over at um, uploadvr.com. Uh, even the uh, even the AI is flinching at it. So that's what it. But it's it, correct. It's so with enough performance. Working in an effective way, basically. Yeah. Okay. So it, good. Look. <laughs> we can extrapolate from incomplete detail. So, um, yeah, these imposters are coming to uh, mobile platforms of VR chat. So all worlds and avatars must have a mobile optimized version if the creator wants standalone headset and phone players to be able to join or see them. Creators can upload two versions of the same content, one for PC and another for mobile. If a user hasn't uploaded a mobile optimized version of the avatar standalone headset and phone users will see a mobile fallback avatar instead, which doesn't look anything like the PC avatar. VR chat's new imposters feature is a solution for this. With just a few clicks, users can automatically generate a mobile optimized version of their avatar that closely resembles it, though with lower visual fidelity. Ta-da! So that's the imposter. And that's the original, and the imposter looks like an AI-generated hot mess dumpster fire on mobile, but it works. Yeah, but it won't you... take much to be much closer to the original. Right? Yeah, and it's because it's being extrapolated from this. It has to be with an AI generator. Um, it it kind of has that. I mean, it's like the quality is off but otherwise it looks a lot like the original a lot yeah yeah it's pretty neat but it's a little too furry for me anyway the imposter uh, system is bridging the divide between pc and mobile users and vr chat so this is a really cool article go and check it out there's more always there's more i don't read everything verbatim um i leave some uh, i mean because i can read about this and then talk about it but i prefer uh, talking from the source and then <clears throat> linking you all to it so you can check it out. And this has to be because I'm in my own little skiff. So anyway, let's keep on going. We got a few more articles, actually only two more, but uh, the next article is over in the continuity report. One core aspect of Cyberpunk 2077 could spark an existential crisis if you think about it too long. That's right. The story is the idea of digital immortality through engrams, with CEOs being able to transfer their consciousness into technology to keep running their company long beyond their years or overseeing their families for many more generations to come. Think about the IP aspect of that. Because copyright is based on the lifetime plus 72 years now, right? 72? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it might be 70. I don't remember the exact number. It changes moment. over yeah. time. I mean, there have been like different... depending, yeah, depending on when yeah, the it's IP copyright plus seventy currently, but so it 70. hasn't always been that. Yeah, it's changed over the years. But anyway, thanks. 
Um, this so, is the most but evident. That's interesting because then does that transfer that original piece of it? Well, I mean, if you're alive and you're a computer, you can actually you have sentient uh, existence. You know who you are. You know where you are. You know what you are. You know why you exist. Or that so you you're exist. still in the original. You haven't even hit the 70 years yet. You're always the same person. Yeah. I mean, and you can live. You are immortal. So you right. always own the IP. Not even transferring it to your estate. Pretty, pretty interesting. So this is the most evident with the engram of Johnny Silverhand, who plays, uh, who, who players interact with throughout the game. They end up as an engram embedded on top of your consciousness in the game, just so that you understand that AI. <clears throat> so he appears as a prototype version of Arasaka's relic technology embedded in the protagonist V's head. However, unlike the aforementioned CEOs who would volunteer to have an engram made, Johnny was forced into it. Um, yeah, so the article is over at Screen Rant. Glenn Bunn is the author of this. It's a neat intro. Uh, it's a neat uh, concept, academic exercise, a thought experiment because we're far away from sentient uh, electronics. You know, storing somebody's consciousness. Engrams are created using the program Soul Killer, which can store the consciousness and memories of dying individuals. Engrams in Cyberpunk 2077 are suggested to be interpretations of data, not accurate representations of the actual person. Although with developments in technology, this could change. It's basically somebody teleported the data from your brain into a computer. Right, not the it, personality or whatever not the soul that's why they call it soul killer so you're sentient but only within the programming of the engram um things that you learn are still learned like whatever you experience but it's all encoded in as data not how we have it stored you know we make all of these other interconnections with emotion and other things so throughout the story, V discovers that the relic is killing them and decisions have to be made uh, around whether they cling to life and search for the cure or let Johnny Silverhand take over their body. Somebody has to live. Either Johnny Silverhand has to die or V has to die, uh, but both can't exist in the same conscious space. In doing so, players experience sequences uh, where they see uh, what they believe to be Johnny's memories or were momentarily let Johnny take control of V's body and become him. And his memories are simply nothing but data that V is interpreting. Um, so it's it's really interesting. The uh, the reason why I chose this was this expands on the idea that immortality can exist if we come up with the technology that stores our brain pathways and it replicates us as a thinking, <laughs> feeling machine. We are Best sentient, world. right? Yeah. And and think about that. You have immortal leaders, right? People who go, well, I want to control the world forever. And they're immortal. All they need to do is surround themselves with people that will defend their computer core. <clears throat> and you end up with a computer brain. 
pretty cool. So earlier versions of Soul Killer would wipe out the original personality of a person away and leave the mindless husk that then dumps the, <coughs> um, like the engram can be dumped into this empty person. <laughs> so they have control of the body. It's kind of twisted, huh? Yeah, this is interesting. <clears throat> yeah, it's cool. I mean, as a story but not in real life. So yeah, existential crisis is, is for sure the thing. 2077 explorers, a story explores the idea of digital immortality through engrams, but how much of an engram is the original or is it just data? Well, it's technically just data. The person no longer exists. It's just a computer. Especially with the soul. Gone. Yeah. Gone. Uh, let's go on to the last article. Uh, actually, before I do that, let me throw this into the chat. I totally flubbed that. Sorry about that. Um, the last article for tonight. There you go. Scientists discovered an ultra large structure in space that shouldn't exist. I titled this. Uh, what, what did I call it? <laughs> Does it exist or is it misinterpreted? <clears throat> Our universe is so big. It's practically unimaginable. That's not true. But there are massive structures within it that define not just imagination, but some of our foundational ideas about the universe. Maybe we're wrong. Since the mid 1980s, astronomers have found huge connected clumps of galaxies that form clusters, walls, threads, sitting inside a kind of scaffolding that's called the cosmic web. That's us, I think, trying to ascribe patterns to the noise. Pardon me one second. Yeah, we do like to do patterns, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Some of these structures are so immense that they shouldn't exist according to one of the most fundamental principles in physics, the cosmological principle, which says that if you zoom out far enough, all matter in the universe is spread out evenly. But that's our, const our construct, our way of perceiving the data. The big ring located 9 billion light years from Earth is so huge that it challenges our current understanding of the universe. I think it's Mirjam Guzgan is the author of this. I may be pronouncing it horribly wrong, but that's my Harvard effort. I've never been to Harvard. Anyway, this is actually something that's been talked about. Um, I... I they said that, that this shouldn't exist and that there isn't anything inside it. There uh, may be a black hole. Um, so as of January 10th, scientists added another of these large, ultra large structures to the list for their push, pushing cosmo cosmologists to re-examine their assumptions about the nature of the universe. The structure dubbed the big ring was discovered by University of Lancashire uh, PhD student Alexia Lopez and presented at the 243rd meeting of the American Ast Astronomical Society this month. Jesus, can you be, can you imagine you're a PhD student and you discover a structure uh, so I mean, big. This is really cool. It's amazing. It's surreal. Lopez who discovered another ultra structure called the giant arc back in 20. Jeez. It. I got wow. out of bed. I got out what of bed. What did you do today? Yes. <laughs> the big ring is on par with the other huge space structures astronomers have found before, measuring in at 1.3 billion light years across or 15 Earth moons. 
or 15 earth moons, maybe distances, but dwarfed by the undisputed biggest structure. I guess structure we've moved from school buses to earth moons. It must be earth two moons, earth 15 earth moons, but this doesn't make I any sense. I thought it meant like the diameter of the moon of the earth, maybe. The know. diameter, uh, whatever, um, but dwarfed by the undisputed biggest structure called the giant GRB ring, which clocks in at 5.6 billion light years in diameter. The newly discovered ring lies roughly 9 billion light years from Earth or about a fifth of the way to the edge of the observable universe in the constellation of Boots, the Herdsman. The constellation is also home to the giant arc. So it seems like whatever made that constellation was quite a bit of an anomaly because they haven't found these structures anywhere else or we just haven't found them we you know we can only look in so many directions the fact that exactly. there are exactly and i think you're right about the terminology it looks like that means essentially lunar distance gotcha so the fact that there are two humongous structures within the same narrow region of space is one of the hints that the standard model of cosmology known as the what is that that's not an a that anyway cm I, I, I don't know what that actually is um Neither of these two ultra large structures are easy, easy to explain or is easy to explain in our current That's Lambda CDM. So Lambda CDM, is that what it's actually referred to as Lambda CDM? Okay. Yes. Um, thank you. So neither of these two ultra large structures is easy to explain in our current understanding of the universe. Their ultra large size, distinctive shapes and cosmological proximity must surely be telling us something important, but what exactly? Yeah, that we don't have our shit together entirely. I think it's amazing that the same person found the two huge things in space, but they're probably focusing their entire career on that area. You know, they're dedicated to that. I think that's spectacular. I still I love... think it's interesting though, thinking about all the researchers, all the amount of space. Yep. Yep. I think I, I love it when people dedicate and they're so passionate about it, that that is their drive. That is their passion. Um, it's always amazing. It's always amazed me because I have zero focus. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm so interested in so many topics that there's no way for me to dig, just drill down that much or push the bubble as XKCD talks about pushing the bubble. That's, I just think it's, it's amazing passion. Um, so another possibility uh, that they're explained by a totally different cosmological model called the conformal cyclic cosmology. This theory states that instead of the universe def uh, definitively starting with a big bang and ending with a big crunch, the universe goes through several cycles or aeons that don't necessarily end with a crunch. Instead, matter just becomes more diluted until the universe tapers out and is then scaled back down to another big bang moment. Each eon might leave behind traces, which many be, uh, which may be ultra large scale structures of the one before. Oh, that would be interesting that the ring exists because the Big Bang formed it, the crunch formed somewhere else. And then when it exploded again, it left that ring somewhere else from the old Big Bang. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. That is. So why does it contract? Where is the energy for it to contract? What is what's sitting there that would be causing it to contract? I, I just I don't know. Uh, yes, we can expect some occasional flukes in the cosmic structure, but we're now finding this accumulating set of really, really big structures. Uh, she told reporters at a press conference, adding that she also used independent data to verify her findings. So other people basically went and looked and it was verified. So this is pretty fascinating. Um, but I, yeah, I had already read somewhere that this thing is so big, it shouldn't exist. Um, and then there's this. So maybe these are two remnants of two other bangs and crunches. Look what we get to look out for. Everybody get under your desk. How do you? Yeah, I know. I feel like people are looking more narrowly. So maybe <laughs> we need to take a step back. But it reminds me of one of those. It's like a toy where it just kind of spans and contracts yeah i don't know yeah. if it's spherical but it is i think it is yeah it, it kind of looks like a lego kind of yes a constructor like thing i can't remember what they call those anyway and it crunches down into a pointy ball and then zooms back out to a perfect sphere yeah it's pretty cool gotta get one of those and stick it on the wall behind me i don't know if you can see that there's a guy there where is he right there I don't know if you can see him. I think that's him right there. Anyway, it's a really small screen. Okay, everybody, back into the party bus. We drive all the way back downtown. And here is Reality Hacker. Let's see if we got any new articles in the last hour. Yeah, look, 17 minutes ago. Pretty sneak. Um, not sure why uh, th this is actually there, but that's okay. You can watch the game for free. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Oh, I aggregator. mean, it might be hacking reality, depending on how crazy the game is. Oh, aggregator. You cray cray. Okay, that's it, folks. I'm Marewatt. That's hometown.com and the sub channel that is the name of the show, Reality Hacker. And up above me is the AI that has already saved my butt a couple of times tonight. So I want to say good night. Good night, hometown citizens. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for hometown daily at uh, 6, 6 p.m. Eastern and then continuity report around 7 15 7 30 p.m. Eastern yeah. really depends on and how then fast. next weekend for another edition of reality hacker that's right thank you much see y'all later bye bye